Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. Over by Design Podcast, it's episode two, and tonight I have a guest with me, uh, Jill Gaudio. Uh, she is someone in recovery and also um, very involved in fitness. I know Jill through Instagram, which is a huge part of my uh, recovery toolbox and has been for a while. And I see that Jill is now part of the sober Instagram community. So Jill, if you wanted to introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, Corey, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I've been in recovery for two years and four months this month. Uh, so it's really exciting. And uh, I've decided to try and do the 12th step and help others uh, by putting some fitness content out there. Great, great. Um, kind of what I like to start with just for everybody is a little bit of your background. You know, where did your life start? How did you sort of find yourself in the world of, you know, drinking, drugs, whatever your story is, just would love to hear a little bit of the background. Sure. Uh, so I really don't have um, a sad story. Uh, I have a, I had a really good childhood. I was born in New York, in Queens. Uh, my, most of my family still lives in, in uh, Brooklyn over there. Uh, and then we moved to Florida when I was uh, a kid. And then we moved to Texas and I grew up here. Um, I had a really good high school experience. Um, and I went to college in Austin, Texas, which is uh, a party city. So right off the bat in college, I started drinking. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I never could stop when everybody else did. So even from that young age of college, I always was drinking to blackout. And I didn't, you know, when you're young, you don't really realize it. It's only in, when you get older, uh, you realize that it's a problem. Yeah, I um, very similar story, you know, started drinking in college and just never really looked back and understood how bad it was. Um, you know, what did you, it was just partying. Like it just, you just fell into the party scene. There was nothing really triggering going on. It just, just naturally. Oh no, yeah, yeah. It was party, party. Uh, you know, in, in Austin, day drinking is a big thing brunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, so <laughs> tubing on the river, drinking all day. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of just the culture and I, I fell right into it and got consumed by it. Okay. Understandable. And how long did that go on for? Like you left college, obviously, and you know, life went on. So what happened after that? I, I continued drinking. Uh, it was, it was a problem. I was hungover fairly often and, uh, many opportunities were ruined because of how much I was drinking. And eventually, um, I was living in Anchorage, Alaska at the time when things kind of came to a head. Um, I had lost my job because I was basically just a hot mess. Uh, 
very unreliable. I was showing up, you know, in the afternoon to work hungover. Uh, no one could get a hold of me sometimes because I was just, you know, sleeping it off or I was drunk in the evening. Uh, so it was getting really bad. So I checked into a, um, a psychiatric hospital voluntarily to try and get sober. Um, but it didn't last <laughs> that first time. Uh, cause I was like, you know what? I'm just stressed out. It's not the drinking. I'm just stressed. You know, I blamed everything but the drinking. Yeah, that's, that's normal. And then, so voluntary psych ward, obviously the drinking didn't stop. Did you, did you move to Alaska for any reason? <laughs> Sorry, I, I might be derailing us a little bit, but that is an interesting tidbit. Not many people like move to Alaska. So what brought you to Alaska? Yeah, so uh, I was working for um, a hospital housekeeping company. So we would clean hospitals. And they, um, my company sent out a company-wide email saying, hey, we need someone in Alaska. Does anybody want to volunteer to go? And I was like, no way, no way. But then I was thinking about it, and I said to myself, when am I ever going to go to Alaska? Let's do it. So I went, and I loved it. I stayed for five years. It was absolutely wonderful. I met the best people who became kind of like my second family. And uh, actually, my parents just retired, and they moved to where I lived in Alaska because they loved it so much. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I, I do hear, and, and maybe it's just something that I've heard in passing or, you know, on some podcast somewhere, but I think there is a lot of drinking that goes on up there too, right? Because it's a very like isolated lifestyle. It's just, you know, I mean, I know that's similar to of like Nantucket, um, you know, and some of these more remote places, people kind of tend to fall into that lifestyle. Did it, did the move actually make it worse in a way or... Because you moved away from Austin, you know, the Austin party scene, and then you're in this isolated place. Like, it could have went one of two ways. Did it? Did it escalate or decrease? Yes, I think it escalated. Because uh, I started drinking alone mm -hmm. more. Um, just I wouldn't have to go out anymore. I was just drinking at home. And I think the darkness part of the uh, the season, like when it's dark for like sixteen hours a day, that did. That really affected me my first year I lived there. It was really uh, depressing. Sure, sure. All right, so you're in Alaska. First attempt doesn't work. Where do you go from there? Uh, actually, things got much worse after that. So I was let go shortly after that. Uh, so I just kept drinking, kept drinking. I, you know, um, I started getting really depressed. Um, I was self-harming quite a bit. Uh, started to get really dark, you know, uh, thoughts of suicide. My friends were doing everything they could, you know, to bring me out of it. They would come get me in the middle of the night, you know, just to sit with me and stuff. And uh, I really wouldn't be alive without them. So I, I was really lucky to have such good friends. And Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a tough road if you're doing it alone. So, you know, one thing I always say is community is key in, in our kind of world. Um, you know, I think having a strong base behind you helps. So they, they helped get you to AA or was it, you know, a step in between there? So um, I actually had 
self-harmed so bad that I had to have surgery to repair it. Okay. Um, and after that, I, I went to another psychiatric stay. Um, and during that time, I realized that I needed to get out of Alaska. I needed to go home. So I started, I got a job in um, New Orleans, Louisiana, which is probably not, not the best place to get sober. <laughs> uh, it's kind of the worst party city than Austin. But uh, so I moved there. It was closer to home and my parents, you know, could better support me. And my childhood best friend was also nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stayed sober for about like six months um, there. And then I started drinking again. Uh, cause just, it's new Orleans, you know, there's bourbon everywhere and yeah, sure. it was, it was a rough uh, city to try and be sober in. But, um, this time I, some, I don't know what happened, but I, I woke up in the hospital and I was like tied down because I had grabbed a nurse and I didn't let go. Uh, so I guess a policeman had found me and brought me to the hospital and so i was involuntarily uh admitted to the hospital this time and that really scared me it was like jail pretty mm-hmm. much uh, it was really scary to be there not by choice and so my mother had to come to new orleans to come get me out of this place i didn't know where my car was uh i had left it somewhere it took a long time to find the car parked on the side of the street somewhere uh and after that, I started taking it seriously, and I was able to finally stay sober. It kind of scared me straight. Sure, sure. It was a real, um, like, rock bottom moment for you, you know? Some yes. people don't have them, but that sounds pretty frightening. I'm not going to lie. You know, to wake up and be strapped down and not remember anything, is that's a moment. So I can understand the, the fear there. Um, um, and the New Orleans move, you know, that, that was an interesting one, but I can see it, right? Like not wanting to go back to Austin either because of, you know, maybe the thought of, okay, there's, you know, this, I'm going back to this place where all I did was party. So let me try somewhere new. You had a friend. It, it made sense, um, but it just didn't stick. So, so that got you in the rooms. I obviously, you know, you have over two years now. So, you know, you're working a program. AA is sticking for you, which is awesome. I also know that there's a huge part of your life that revolves around fitness. So, like, that's how I think I might have found you on Instagram through fitness or I don't even know. But, it, you know, it doesn't matter. I kind of try to be fit. But you seem to be really fit. You know, you're doing all sorts of stuff, uh, triathlons and just really cool stuff. So when did that actually enter your life? Did that enter your life while you were drinking or before? Yeah. So, okay. So I, I had done a couple, um, sprint triathlons, which is, um, a 500 meter swim, a 12 mile bike ride and a a three mile run. So I, I had done those while I had been drinking because you really don't really need to train for that. You could just kind of wing it. Uh, you know, I would show up hungover and struggle through it. Um, but I was a swimmer in high school, so I, I, I guess I missed the competition. So I did sign up for these things, but I was able, I was never able to do long distance things because 
my training was very inconsistent mm -hmm. because of the drinking. So in sobriety, when, when you get out of rehab, they tell you exercise, do yoga, be mindful. And I found that I was very restless. I could not sit still. Um, meditation was completely out of reach for me. I could not sit there and be still. So I had read a study by the Mayo Clinic that said exercise is meditation in motion. And that really was a game changer for me because then I could run and think about things, swim and think about things, cycle and think about things. I call it moving mindfulness. And that was really how I was able to stay sober and triathlon really could take me there. The training with hours on the, the bike or in the pool, thinking, working through things. Sure, sure. I was a, a swimmer in high school as well, so I understand the, oh, cool, you know, yeah. the, the pool time is really helpful. Like when you're just, you know, swimming laps, you know, you can think about things. There's really not a lot of noise other than the pool noise for people that understand that. And um, I'm not a runner, so but I do know there's quite strong benefits to running and your mental health. And there's something to do with like the eye movement. I, yeah, I've heard something about you know the there's um like is it EMDR something some type of therapy. But I think walking and running sort of mimic that that sensation to your brain. So like literally everything oh, you're cool. doing is helping, right? Um, you know, mentally, and then the physical aspect of it is just huge. Um, you know, I think it's it's a great tool. I, I was, uh, was on a podcast with somebody who's really into fitness, and, you know, hit, we, we talked a lot about it, maybe tipping the scales too much as an addiction for people, too, you know, where we can kind of, you know, people with a certain type of mind could kind of fall way over the top with it. Um, but I think, you know, there's definitely a health benefit that, that outweighs that, you know, whatever way you look at it. Um, I agree. Uh, they say to not, you, you can't avoid the self. You can't use it to avoid the self. Right. So, so you have to use it as a tool to move forward, not to avoid working on anything. Yeah. I mean, we use it in our house. I know like my older son works out quite a bit and he uses it to, you know, calm his mind down, right. To kind of work out the frustrations of the day. We always try to get my younger son who's got a lot of energy to sort of, you know, Hey, is your tank overflowing? Maybe it's time to go do something. And, and I probably tend to use it more like my older son as a tool for like, you know, just to calm my mind down. Um, if I'm tired, I can't really get that upset about the small things that used to make me want to drink right like it always started with something stupid and small but if i'm exhausted or you know busy or whatever th those thoughts can't really creep in um, exactly and once you have the blood flowing the stress levels come down things get easier you get that natural endorphin high so you don't you're not craving something else you have it in you right. you made it yourself right so yeah it's a win-win yeah one of the most interesting things on your feed is um your pool setup it's pretty amazing <laughs> um so if if you could explain it a little bit because i saw it and then i looked further like i so it's just an amazing setup so can you explain what you did for people 
Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm slowly making it so I never have to leave the house. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I didn't really have a pool close by. So for triathlon training, so I was skipping uh, a lot of swim workouts because I just didn't want to drive all the way to the pool. So I saw on YouTube uh, a tether pool. So you hook yourself onto a harness and you tie a chain like to a tree or something and you can just swim forever in the pool. So I made one in my backyard. I set up a little above ground pool and I had my little tether and I had initially put uh, a, a tent around it, but a lot of bugs were getting in and it wasn't like the best thing ever. So I decided this summer to make one out of a pool house out of pallets. <laughs> so I constructed like an entire pool house around the pool and I made a deck uh, and I around the outside I used old fencing so it kind of looks real rustic and uh, I added a barn door that slides and uh, there's my pool house it has heat and everything so I can swim all year round now yeah it's pretty amazing um, <laughs> thank it, you it, it was is, fun to build yeah I um, I was like wow she had a shed that was perfect size for the pool but obviously that is not what happened but I saw the heat lamps in there and it's just it's very ingenious you know, uh, because that is one of the hardest parts of training for a triathlon is finding pool time. Um, you know, the biking, you can get your bike and put it on a, a trainer in your house or, you know, go out and ride if, you know, if the weather permits. Running, obviously, you can do. It's the pool that becomes the real sticking point. And even as somebody who swam, I, I did one sprint triathlon while I was drinking and I trained a little bit, but nothing crazy. Um the the swimming is what killed me because i didn't really train swimming you know and it was <laughs> like, like overconfident oh it's like 500 yards whatever yeah and then it's <laughs> yeah. in a lake and people are swimming on top of you it is the craziest experience it's not like competitive swimming where you're in your lane and you know you no know. it's yeah. crazy yeah i did one the other all right that last summer and I, I put my hand completely in someone else's swimsuit like i don't know what happened yeah but. yeah there's just a <laughs> lot of bodies close. right it's like yeah it's very tight um so you do that you have that going on you've been doing that for quite a while now um and then it looks like you've taken that fitness and now you want to share that out with other people as a trainer Right. Is that the goal here? So you're trying to bring this out into the world? Yes. Uh, so I was a personal trainer in college and I loved it. It was, you know, the best job ever. Being in the gym all the all day, working out like four times a day. I loved it. Uh, me and my best friend were training together. Uh, so I really missed that. I didn't make any money doing it, which is why I moved into the corporate world. But now that I am sober and, you know, you realize that life is short when you get sober, you know, you have to be happy. You can have all the money in the world, but the happiness is really the thing that you need. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was laid off actually, which was a blessing in disguise. So I decided to start this company, Mako Girl Fitness. Uh, Mako Girl is my gamer name. So it's my badass name. That's why it's called Mako Girl Fitness. Um, but I wanted to help people in recovery because when I first got sober and I started working out, I got injured. I injured my shoulder and my knee. I didn't realize that after when you're in recovery, your muscles are essentially in an injured state. Like 
they just haven't been taken care of. They've been wasting. They haven't been getting the nutrients they need. They haven't been getting the blood flow they need. So they really have to be like rehabilitated back to the baseline. So I started my company to help others get back into fitness at, in recovery in a safe way so that they don't get injured like I did. Hmm. That's interesting. I, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm just trying to think back. So I'm 10 years, a little over 10 years sober. Um, oh, wow. Congrats. Thanks. And five years ago, I guess I got back into like doing something physical. Um, <clears throat> it was CrossFit and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I did it, you know, I had a little rough patch in life and, you know, I was coming out of that and I thought, okay, <clears throat> I got to do something for myself and fitness seemed like a good idea. Um, and I just kind of tackled it, but I could see how maybe having more recovery related fitness help would be good. Yes. Uh, because you know, we need the, the vitamins, but we're, you know, we're all in the Taco Bell line at 3am yeah. when we're in, you know, we're not eating right. So in recovery, your appetite comes back. You have to make sure that you're, you're nourishing your body with all the things that it was missing before. And it takes a long time for that to happen. And once you start doing that, then you can slowly build your muscles and they can grow and you can get more fit, but like they have to be repaired. Like your body needs to repair. And so you need to keep that in mind. You can't just jump right into whatever you were doing before. Sure. I mean, my first year of recovery was um, a diet of Swedish fish, cookies at meetings, coffee. You know, I was living on sugar, right? I was replacing the beer and the vodka and all those sugars that I was taking in for, you know, years, right? I, I lived so I mean, from a health standpoint, it was horrendous. Um, yes. And then, you know, for the first year, I didn't really take care of it. And then I tried, I think, over the next couple to, to be a little bit more mindful. And then I think once I started to work out again, then it was like, okay, I really need to watch what I put in my body. And I've been trying, you know, it kind of fell off through COVID. Um, but I do have the home gym set up and I'm trying to to keep that up. It's just, you know, it is something that, when work gets busy, it's the one thing that kind of goes to the side. Um, so, you know, having a trainer and, and somebody kind of helping you and, and, you know, pushing you is, is really just a great thing. Right. So you're bringing that to people, you know, on, on a personal level for folks in recovery. I think that's awesome because it's very pointed, yes, the, you know? Yes. The accountability piece is essential. I, I actually have a coach too, because I'm not immune to that. I love to work out, but I still need a little bit of guidance, you know, keep sure. me accountable and moving forward. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, you know, everybody needs a coach. Um, you know, I do, I do recovery coaching, you know, through an organization in my community. And, um, you know, it just, it, that's all it is. It's a touch point. It's like, you know, Hey, I'm here, you know, it's, you know, you know, that world from AA, right. I mean, sponsorship is, a big portion of that right and it's just having somebody to be a an accountability partner and um you know some something to motivate you um so as part of the training i think i also saw a book is that true <laughs> <laughs> yes uh so i'm i'm a little bit type a 
<laughs> so I did a lot of research uh, in the muscle repair space uh, for my own knowledge, right? And uh, at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I have all this research all in one place. And I, you know, I had to look in all these different places for it. I had to read all these different studies. Let me put it all together. So I did write a complete guide to muscle repair or alcohol induced myopathy, uh, which is muscle uh, wasting. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, yeah, I, I wrote that book <laughs> nice. based on all my research. So hopefully it will help others as well who are looking into the topic. That's super impressive because it, a lot of the, you know, recovery books are like kind of, hey, this was my drunk story and this is how I got better. But like this is some science based stuff. Um, where can it can you get it on Amazon or where can this be? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Okay. And if you if you have Kindle Unlimited, uh, it's available for free. OK, so. well, I will definitely link it in the show notes so that people Thank can you. find it, because I think it's, you know, when I saw that, I thought, wow, that's super interesting. I actually I didn't, have it right next to me here. Nice. I didn't even <laughs> think about, um, you know, that part of just jumping into fitness. So a lot of times I will say to somebody who's, you know, new to recovery, like, hey, why don't you go work out? Or, you know, they'll, they'll be working out and still drinking. And, you know, there's probably something that's not 100% kosher there. And, and I don't think about it. Um, so I'll probably pick that up and read it myself just so I know. Um yeah, there's a, there were so many interesting things. Like, you know, I when you meet people on Instagram, and meet is like a weird term, but you're following them, so you kind of see all the things that are going on, and then you look backward. The other thing I saw, and uh, I thought this is where you got your name, so we'll talk about the gaming in a minute, but um, sharks, diving, I mean, is that something that you've done for a long time, or... Was that just uh, like a in the moment kind of thing? No, uh, I I had oh I've always loved sharks. So my my older cousin when I was little he showed me Jaws to scare me, but instead I like loved it. Um, sharks became my thing, <laughs> and uh, that's where my name gamer name came from, Mako Girl Mako Shark. Uh, so the picture you saw on Instagram, my life dream was to see a great white shark in mm -hmm. person. So uh, I saved up for like five years to go on this trip to Guadalupe Island, Mexico to go cage diving with the sharks. And it was uh, indescribable. I, yeah, it was unbelievable. So I highly recommend it was great. Uh, mind blowing. So did you like you had to get scuba certified to, to do that, right? Yes. Uh, to go into the deep water cage. Yes, you have to be scuba, scuba certified. But if you're not, you can go in the the boat level cages i guess because mm -hmm. the you're you know just right there so you don't need to have tanks or anything all right and you saw a great white shark lots a... yeah wow that's crazy it was unbelievable yeah yeah that seems like one of those experiences that not many people get to have so that's pretty cool and um and then when you mentioned gaming so again there's like some stereotypes of like, you know, fitness people aren't <laughs> gamers, right? And like m my older son plays games, he works out, he's an athlete. So like, I know that th those stereotypes are very blurry, right? Like, so you know. He here's what I say about that. Gaming is the perfect recovery time because you're sitting, you're relaxed, you're, you know, you got your feet up, you have your, your healthy snacks, perfect recovery. Right, yeah. 
And um, how long have you been into the gaming world? Oh, forever. Uh, my first gaming console was the Sega Genesis, yeah. which I think came out in like 90, 90 something, 95. It was, no, it was before the 90. It was before 95. It was probably 89, no, 90, 91, somewhere around there. It was Genesis Maybe, yeah. time frame. That was yeah. my first. And ever since then, I was hooked. That's crazy. And now you play PC or are you console still? Oh, actually, I, I'm a World of Warcraft girl. Okay. Since uh, since 2007. They call it Vanilla, which is when it started. Uh, yeah, I've been playing that since then. And same, that's that's your thing? Same character. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so that's a whole thing. Like, I, I don't know much about that, war, that game, but I know it is quite a... Um, I don't want to say addictive game, but it's a game that people really kind of just latch onto and then don't stray from, right? Yes. I mean, to be good at that game, you have to spend a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. The only person that I really know that plays, and I don't know him, is Duncan Trussell, the comedian, because I, I heard that like he played it and then he stopped because it got to be too much. Um, yeah. Did you, do you know Henry Cavill, who was Superman? Yes. He almost missed his Superman audition because he was playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of games like that, I think. And it is, you know, it's something that I am cautious of with the kids. Um, my older son is pretty good at modulating now. My younger son, who's 11, he, for a while, it was like, eh, is he like a little bit too into it? Um, but he's kind of backed off, um, you know. And, and the game, they are. They're just so like, vibrant and it's hitting all those receptors right it's like quick reward you know everything that you know we're we're all drawn to it's it's there right at least nowadays with the games there is interaction with other people back in the day you know with the genesis and the n64 you were just by yourself mm -hmm. so now at least you there is some social aspect to it yeah, they all get together. They talk, you know, he plays with his school friends and, you know, they'll play. Even my sons will play. One will be in the basement, one's upstairs and they're playing across, you know, plat platform. And it's, um, you know, I think it's just something that you got to watch, um, you know, especially at that age, because like I know I had zero control when I was like 11. Right. I just didn't even know. It's like, all right, this is awesome. And then I would go for. I mean, I remember being on sleepovers playing Sega Genesis until like two, three in the morning, you know, just yeah. and just literally <laughs> just falling asleep playing. Um, it wasn't that we stopped, you know, we didn't make a conscious decision to stop. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've, you know, I, I like games. I can't play them anymore, though. I don't know what happened. I stopped oh. and I can't play them. I just, you know, I can play Super Mario. We have the old... Like we bought the the NES thing that they made where that emulates the old games. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I can do that where my kids can't. Like they can't understand two D gaming, right? Because they only know the three D gaming. Yeah. That like. And it, it is hard to. It's a different way to control it. Right. So. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, but that's super interesting that you're in that world. Um, and it's been so long. You've been doing yeah. it for a long time. So like, so you have a bunch of different communities, right, that you're accountable to at this point. You have your AA community. You have your fitness community. 
are you like accountable in the world of Warcraft world or do they not know these other parts of your life? Um, some of them do. Like I've met some in real life uh, that we played together for a long time. Um, so yeah, some of them are aware, but you, you have your guild mates and um, <laughs> if you want to get really nerdy here, uh, you talk to them quite a bit. What, you know, cause you need to work together in the game to beat the big boss, you know? So you do get to know each other pretty well. Um, I don't really go too deep, you know, but the ones that I've known for a long time, yes, they know, Okay. Uh, you know, my struggles and how far I've come and they're proud of me and same yeah. for them, you know, for me. Yeah. I mean, I think any community is good, right? Like for me early in recovery, I was, um, coaching youth soccer. So like that community became very important and, you know, just like having to show up and be really uh, aware of what was going on was like a, a huge thing, right? So I can imagine that that would translate to that world. Definitely translates to your coaching business, right? It's like, that's huge. And the people that you're dealing with are probably looking for fitness, but also just for somebody to help them through this or, you know, whatever part of recovery they're in. Is that, is that most of your clients? Are you specifically focusing on folks in recovery or are you sort of, you know, opening yes, up only, that market? No, only recovery. I, you know, I don't really want to help people lose weight. You yeah. know, that's, that's boring for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd rather help people, you know, move forward in their recovery. Early recovery is so lonely. You kind of need to like, create a whole new life people don't realize that like they think you could just live in your old life you can't like you feel so different and you have to kind of navigate this new life and find new things that you like things that you do people that you know and hang out with it's all new so it can be incredibly lonely so that's another reason I wanted to start this to give people a place where they could go and learn and move forward and have a community. Yeah. Yeah. Rec early recovery is hard. I mean, even late recovery is hard, right? I, there's there you are know, moments it's, um, you know, a lot of the people that I was friends with for years, just, it's not the same. Um, you know, they're there, but it, you know, maybe the interactions aren't the same anymore. Um, you know, going out with people changes, um, you know, maybe you don't want to go to certain places or even see, you know, obviously the people, places, things is like the big, you know, one of the big AA takeaways is, you know, just don't go back to those people. And I, you know, there's something to be said for that, you know, um, there is, but like, if that's your whole world, you know, it, it can seem very unrealistic in the beginning oh, yeah. <laughs> because you're like, I don't want to just get all new friends. And I don't want to isolate my family, you know, but you have to do what's best for you. So it's good to give them another place to go. Sure, sure. Because you can't really see, you know, you don't have that vision ahead. It's, you know, in that early recovery, it is literally just like day by day. And then you get maybe, you know, maybe you could think a week ahead at some point, but it's hard. And you can't imagine that, you know, you're going to ever have any new friends or, that, you know, anything is going to be better. And then, you know, over time it comes, but it is hard in that early stage. Um, you know, I, again, I work with some folks and 
I normally meet them at a very bad point in time. You know, I'm meeting them very much in that, you know, very early recovery, if at all. Like, even if they're not even contemplating it, that's when I'm meeting them. And um, crisis. Yeah, crisis. crisis yeah. yeah. And it is, um, you know, some people just don't know what to do next, right? They don't even understand the next step. And, uh, you know, the fact that that's your business model is quite amazing. It's like, you know, you're going to help people not only in recovery, but, you know, find this this path towards fitness is, is a really awesome thing. I think, you know, for me, it was very helpful because you feel weak. You know, you it, getting sober, is su- it takes such strength, but you feel weak coming out the other side. So to work out and to become stronger, you start to feel stronger as well. So I think it's a really good addition to recovery just for that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you feel for sure weak, shame, all those emotions just are like a lot, right? And you're kind of, man, I wish I could remember what it felt like early on, but it was a lot of like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it is. It's tough. It's a really tough time. And then again, you think like, well, I'm doing great. And, you know, then something happens and you're kind of thrown off kilter. So having touchstones of like someone like yourself, you know, AA, smart meetings, you know, whatever, refuge recovery, there's so many pathways now, right? There's online courses, um, there's Instagram, there's sober TikTok, um, which I had to get off of because I could not control myself. (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to get on TikTok. I'm not there. Oh, well, the algorithm (laughs) is probably the most addictive thing. I mean, it is incredibly addictive where I would get on there and like an hour would go by and I just couldn't understand where my time went. It was gone. And I watched nothing but ridiculous videos for like one hour. So wow. I had to delete that. <laughs> um, that was just not uh, a good a good fit for me. Um, and I forget where I was even going with this. But anyway, you know, early sobriety is very, very difficult time to navigate and you know, for anybody listening, if you're feeling that confusion, you know, find find someone to talk to. You know, one one thing I'll say to everybody that I work with is like, it's great that you're talking to me, but you really need to find like three, four people, a group, something, right? That that sort of becomes this this touchstone for you in this time, and I think that 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 was important for me early on too. Um, yes, for sure. Yeah different people have different experiences and you might need advice from a couple different people, not just one. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, I settled into an AA meeting with a bunch of senior citizens and it was just, it just clicked, right? Timing clicked. Those people clicked. I went there every day at lunch. It was, you know, what I needed. They weren't my peers. Um, But over time that also stopped working and I needed new things so I think it's you know the recognition of like okay it's time for something new and for you maybe it is you know this business is you know that next level of okay this is where I'm going next in my recovery right like I think we all kind of get there where it's like well this is getting a little bit stale like I need something new and that that could be this for you right yes exactly just like your recovery coach you know you feel an obligation to pass on what you've learned to help the new newly recovering be successful like you were. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, it's just, yeah, it's just trying to help somebody, you know. And and even before I was coaching uh, or doing this now, um, I would be very open and honest in public about my story. And I was going to ask you about that, too. Like, I find that I'll just talk to anybody about it. And I've had instances over the past 10 years where people have come up and said, hey, you made me think about how I was drinking and now I'm sober, right? Like, so just random people that I was just open and honest with kind of heard what I was saying and then made changes in their life, which, you know, I think is great. So are you in your in your day-to-day life, are you like open with folks in public or, you know, wherever you go? Yes, I tried to be. Um, I was hesitant to do it at work in the beginning. Um, but then I started just being honest. And actually, like you said, randomly, I, you know, someone was like, hey, I heard you were sober. And I was like, yeah. He said, you know, I, I, I think I'm having a problem. And he, you know, he, I, I don't know if he would ever went to anybody if he wouldn't have known that I was sober, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, I'd like to think that it's um, becoming more common for people to be open about it. Um, there is a shift, obviously, happening. Um, a lot of sober curious stuff, a lot of non-alcoholic beverages floating around in the market. So I think over time, it's going to be more and more, you know, common. Uh, I hope so. I, yeah. I, and I hope the, the younger generations can sort of see it, too. I, I have a fear that maybe not. I don't know. I see, like, you know, some of the drinking now that I see of the young kids. It's like, it doesn't look good, but um, I'll, I'll hold my reservations for a little bit longer. I, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, the media, that's really what needs to tone it down a little bit. It does. I it think does. for the young people to. Yeah. I mean, they're drinking out of gallon jugs and, you know, I'm trying to in my head go like, well, I did crazy stuff, too. But like, I don't know. It just seems like maybe not. Maybe we haven't learned any lessons. <laughs> uh, like, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know that we've been on for a little bit and I did want to touch on some fun stuff because, um, you know, as part of all of this you know, I think the biggest part of me getting uh, sober and, and, and living, you know, in recovery is actually enjoying my life. Um, you know, that is the biggest yes. part, right? Uh, for you, probably the same. I just, there's no reason to be, to do this and just be miserable, right? Like, I like going out still, I, you know, I like trying to have fun. Uh, I would love to have more fun and, and, and do all these things. So for you, what have you been doing um, you know, lately, that's fun, like as, as part of life, not not work, not, you know, like, just fun stuff. What what have you been fun. up to? Uh, so I actually am hosting two foreign exchange students this year. Uh, so that's, that's fun. I have two teenage girls that live with me right now. Uh, and with one of them, we've been doing these murder mystery boxes, like it's like an escape room in a box where you, you have to like solve the mystery. Uh, we've we've done at least six of them. We love them. That's really what we've been doing for fun lately. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I haven't yeah, heard that one. Really cool. It's that... um, Hunt a Killer has a couple good ones. Oh, so, and then Deadbolt Society has 
also really good ones. So. Okay, so the hunt a killer thing I heard because I I listen to a lot of crime podcasts, so that yes. that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It's just a mystery that you have to solve, and it's really fun. That's pretty good. Where the girls are both from the same country. Uh, one is from Kyrgyzstan, and the other is from Jordan. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You have a lot of cool things going on. <laughs> uh, so I've been trying fun. to think of some fun things to talk about. I um last week I brought up shows I was watching and I was watching Glow on Netflix. Oh. And um that's that roller derby one? No, it's the wrestling, female wrestling one. The wrestling, okay. So, so I grew up watching Glow and I was so excited to be watching the show and then I I got to like what was the last episode this week? And then I found out that they canceled the show. So oh. like last week I told everybody it's a great show. And then this week I was like, you know, another Netflix show that just ended. Um, so that was a bit of a bummer. Um, yeah. You know, but, you know, I never watched the last episode of the season of a show because I, I have to know. I, I can't like just leave it like a cliffhanger in case it gets canceled. So right. I wait until the next season comes out and then I'll watch the last yeah i didn't even know i just figured it would like keep going i was very disappointed um and there's been a couple like that but um you know to just stay on the catch a killer thing i did i did want to mention i i love like murder podcasts and crime podcasts that's like how i got into podcasts but um you know in the past uh, criminal minds was a show that we really liked and then they just re-released like they started it back up on whatever the streaming service is, and we watched that. So that was a really good, um, like, reboot of a show. It was, like, all the same characters, you know, kind of the same type of story. So they did a really good job with that one. So I wanted to make That's sure cool. that I kind of mentioned that this week. Um, yeah. You know, for fun, we don't, I don't do a yeah, lot. I don't really watch TV because uh, when I'm on the bike, sometimes I usually will watch triathlon. I'm like, I'm obsessed with it now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, I just I did watch um, Dexter the new season. Yeah, that did was you good. watch that back in the day? The new one was good. I did. I I loved Dexter the original Dexter. The new one was good. I um yeah. you know it was it was a weird reboot I thought, but they did an okay job with it. Um, yeah. We watch a lot of TV at night because you know the kids are busy and and sports and. You know, by the end of the day, like, we'll try to get two episodes of something out. Um, so, you know, right now we're trying to watch some funny stuff because we do watch a lot of murder <laughs> TV, it seems. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I was listening to, like, murder podcasts before bed, and I was like, you know what? I got to start listening to something lighter before bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's... um. Those aren't great to listen to before bed. And sometimes I'll like I'll put criminal minds on as I'm falling asleep or something like that. And it's like I gotta make better choices. Um but yeah, it's like I would like to do more. Um one thing that does limit us in New Jersey is the weather. So like for most of the winter we're kinda just house locked. Um so we don't do a lot of outside stuff. So, you know, that is a big streaming as the summer comes around, it, it definitely dips off. Um, from the TV sure. standpoint, um, you know, other than that right now, fun stuff that we're doing, it's just, again, baseball started up and soccer starting up again. Um, so it's going to be sports. That's our life yeah, for that's a while. Um, 
you yeah triathlon season is just starting in a month or so so yeah i was gonna say you got to be probably starting out and how many do you think you're gonna get through this year um i'm gonna try to do two half ironmans this year um maybe the ironman um i still have a little bit of trouble with my knee from injuring it in the beginning of my recovery uh so to run that full marathon i really have to uh baby it a little bit mm-hmm. so I, I can run the half marathon fine but i'm really in pain afterwards so i have to see how it goes have you ever just done like a marathon is it is it the combination scheduled uh what do you mean like is it the combination that wears your knee out or could you like just do a marathon on its own you think oh uh no i have not tried yet i have one scheduled in december um but know that just doing a half marathon does hurt me so hmm that's uh yeah running was never my thing so i don't you know i kind of hate it i can do like a mile <laughs> and then oh. that, that's about it i've you know i've done a 5k i think a couple of times um but you know it, i used to hate it but now i love it I yeah i just can't get in the groove i mean i'll do it on the treadmill um a little bit in in the garage um i don't know it really wins me i maybe i just don't know how to run I think that's part of the thing. Like biking, I can bike. That's fine. Um, you know, I can work out. But I, And rowing. I love rowing. That was like a big thing, oh, a big cool. takeaway from CrossFit. Um, so I have like a rower in the basement. So I'll set the rower up. I'll watch like a documentary and just kind of row. Um, yeah, that's a great machine. Um, yes, for but, sure. Like the, those Concept2 rowers are just awesome um so for anybody I've been, who's a, i've been keeping an eye on facebook marketplace looking for a, a rower yeah <laughs> yes so for people like an early recovery it's an easy that is an easy kind of exercise to get back into it's like full body you know you can kind of take it at your own pace you're not stressing out your joints i like it's it better impact, than the elliptical yeah. yeah definitely low impact um so well that's awesome um anything else that you want to leave everybody with i mean i'm gonna Obviously, I want you to, you know, shout out your social media, and then I'm going to post all that on the show notes so that people have a link to you. But is there any tools, anything that you want to leave with anybody as a final thought on recovery? Sure. Uh, Just do your research. If you're going into fitness uh, in early recovery, do your research. Make sure you don't overdo it. Get someone who knows what they're talking about for your beginning program so you don't get injured but it is really beneficial definitely do some some kind of exercise great great well thanks again jill and people can find you on instagram what's your uh tag again at maple girl fitness okay great it's and girl with a it's a u or it's girl with a u not an i okay maple <laughs> girl fitness girl with a u and um again really appreciate you coming on tonight i know it's uh, only episode two so i'm still working through the the process and um no thank you for having me i'm excited about your podcast yeah great um, yeah well I, I, i'm I will... following it already good good and we'll um hopefully we can you know talk again and uh we'll hear how the business is uh, progressing yeah i would love that all right thanks joe i'll talk to you